You're listening to Episcopal Youth Ministry in ATL. Welcome back to another episode of Episcopal Youth Ministry in ATL. It's uh, very early when we're recording this. We're going to have a lovely sunrise. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Hopefully. I mean, it's like a little over, cloudy today. Over the regions building. But one thing that we know that we do have right now is a light snow dusting. So. Uh, I thought you were going to uh, fade into our guest, and I was like, that's a heck of a transition. My bad. <laughs> uh, we're here with Victoria Hoppus. How are you doing? I'm well. Are you a morning person or not? Ooh. Um... I don't prefer to be a morning person, okay. but I can be a morning person if I have to be. I mean, I'm a camp director, so yeah. you kind of have to wake up and get things going in the morning. So, so. are you a coffee person then? You know, I'm, I'm not. not a coffee person, but I have tea in my okay. mug right now. So what kind of tea? Uh, that's Earl Grey is what I'm drinking right now. Okay. It's pretty standard for me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you put anything in Earl Grey tea? Because, like, I do green tea. I don't put anything in my tea, okay. actually. So straight I just drink Earl. it straight. Yeah, I'm, straight yeah. tea, straight, straight Mr. Tea. Mr. Gray. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, thanks for coming on. Thank uh, you for you're here me. to talk about your work and study and thoughts on mountaintop experiences, mm-hmm. which is really cool because I feel like in the last few months or to a year, suddenly everyone's like, "This person Victoria is doing all this stuff on mountaintop stuff, and it's great." And I've been to this, and she was there, and I went to this, and she was there, and it's revolutionary. Which I think is really cool. I think it's one of those things we as a church need to talk about and put words to. Um, So tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, why you do it, where you do it, all that stuff. (laughs) Sure, yeah. So uh, my name is Victoria Hoppus. Uh, I'm the summer camp director at Waycross Camp and Conference Center. So we're uh, actually, I'm from here in the Indy area. Our camp's about an hour south of Indianapolis. It's the camp of the Diocese of Indianapolis. Uh, and then I also serve uh, in a split position that puts me part-time at camp and then also part-time on the bishop staff for the diocese. So I run youth ministry programs here. Um, so coordinate all of our youth events and outreach to youth ministers and networking, all those kinds of things that you do in a diocesan role. Um, so yeah, and I last spring uh, finished up a master's degree in uh, children, youth, and family ministry, and so I did a lot of work around these mountaintops as a part of that as I finished my capstone project and uh, the work that I do with young people and camp and retreat settings in particular really inspired me to want to explore some of this more and you know what is the role of these intimate moments with God that young people have and experiences. Uh, and these different things we facilitate together, uh, and particularly in my job as, as a camp director and working for the diocese, that tends to be a lot of my job is facilitating these you know weekends or week-long experiences where young people get to have a close encounter with God in a different way. So I became very interested in that, and I uh, did reading on it. I mean, you mentioned the word revolutionary <laughs> in the introduction, which I mean, I don't know if I necessarily myself like think about it as revolutionary because I think there are people out there in these ministry circles who have, you know, who have been talking about this. Um, so I just kind of tried to take what was out there and think about it from the context of what I'm doing um, and thinking about mountaintop experiences and how they've also formed me into the role that I am today in youth ministry because I think it was some of those really early deep encounters with God that have helped make me the person and the youth minister that I am today and I think that that's true for many other people who find themselves in positions like mine or even in youth ministry in general yeah and I think 
I mean, the reason why I think it's important, especially for camp directors, like when I was a camp director, I feel like I could say everything to my diocesan office about why camp is important, mm-hmm. why it's great formationally, why it's feeding the diocese. Um, but you actually did the work to be able to say, mm-hmm. no, for legit, this is why, not just let me stand up here and tell you why, you know, it's great. And I yeah. think even like we talked about it last night at the plenary, um, uh, about like essentially that experience, like if, if and when we have these Jesus moments, um, then how do we then take that to another place and either right. have more Jesus moments or how do we then share with other people about those Jesus moments? And I think that that's, you know, like like we said, like hit, sort of hitting home with your mm-hmm. um, with the research that you did on mountaintop experiences. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, I guess we could talk a little bit about like what we mean by mountaintop experience because yeah. we've thrown that term around a lot. We haven't really when defined it. Oh no, <laughs> we we really like to just be as vague as possible. As vague as possible, right? Yeah. So I mean, by a mountaintop experience, what we're talking about is those moments when people feel the most deeply connected to God, right? Like if you've ever been. On top of a mountain, you're so high up that you feel like you can touch the sky, like those moments and um, those moments where you feel like you can have, you have a real deep communion with God. I think what's unique about um, some, a lot of the mountaintop experiences that we can have on our faith journeys is that they happen in ways that are like not a part of our ordinary life, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And so um, in particular, what I'm interested in is looking at the idea of faith emergence. So like short-term periods of time when really anyone, but in specifically we're talking about in the context of youth ministry, where young people are deeply immersed in Christian faith and practice and community, which is what happens when they go on a mission trip or a weekend retreat or spend a week at summer camp. And usually it's being immersed in that faith community that helps them see and experience God in a different way that leads to a deeper communion with God. Um, And I think you bring up an interesting point that we can talk a little bit about later is that the experiences are um, really powerful and impactful, but then it's also about being able to take that experience away and take it home and use it to be uh, part of the ongoing faith formation of young people. Do you think it's gotten tougher, like, as society becomes more connected with, like, social mm-hmm. media and technology? And, I mean, kids have, like, mountains of schoolwork now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I find it tough to get my kids in my youth group or when I was a camp director to unplug. Yeah. Like, we took their phones. Mm-hmm. And some kids, bless them, were like, yeah, totally, whatever. <laughs> Other kids had, like, a burner phone that they gave us. Mm-hmm. And then you know, kept their real one in the cabin. Yeah. You know, I think that's a really interesting topic and it's one that in a lot of camp circles now, like I have conversations with conversations with camp directors all the time about this. We're like, okay, so how are you handling the whole technology phone thing? Especially now, like that's how everybody is taking pictures and that's how, you know, um, I mean, I guess I don't, I don't see as much of that at Waycross. I think part of it is because of how it's been in, grained into the culture Mm -hmm. of the camp the kids are just kind of used to not we're also so far out in the middle of nowhere that unless you have a on our wi-fi connection you don't really have service anyway so it's a natural way to help with disconnecting um but 
Yeah, I mean, I guess we can see some of that, but I also think that there are ways in which we can take that technology and help use it to uh, help young people process some of those experiences. Mm -hmm. I guess that might be what I would say a what I would say about that. I mean, I think yeah. that it can become distracting, which is a conversation I have with youth all the time. We don't take up phones at our diocesan retreats, and we usually have that conversation at least once during the weekend because it can be a distraction, but I also think it could be a great way to help them with processing what they're living and seeing and doing in the moment. Um, and then it can also become a reflection tool for afterwards as a, as a way to remind them of what they're seeing. And, and witnessing and experiencing. So what would you consider then, at least in the Episcopal Church and youth ministry, uh, like a mountaintop experience? Uh, like summer camp, Yeah. obviously. Um, what are some other ones? Like so I'll tell you a personal story of one of the first times I think I felt I had a mountaintop experience. Um, so I didn't grow up in the Episcopal Church. I grew up Lutheran. But, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of similarities in the way youth programs are run in, in the two churches. Um, I was, I had just finished sixth grade when I went on my very first mission trip ever. I had never been on a trip like that before. And uh, my youth group, we went to the Texas-Mexico border. Ooh. And we drove there for a week. And um, so we did work in Reynosa, Mexico during the day. And we, we did some service work in Texas as well. Um, and that was, for me as a young person, a very powerful experience for several reasons. First of all, I was getting to meet people who lived in a cult country and culture that was way different than my own. And we got to do work with, you know, with kids in a church and with people in a neighborhood that was um, totally different. And that was deeply profound for me because I got to experience the church and the body of Christ in a different way. Um, we had daily times of worship and prayer and, you know, small group reflection and large group reflection. And those were really important times because they were very community building. And it also was a little different than like the youth group time we were used to on Sunday nights or the worship time we were used to on Sunday mornings. And so I, I specifically remember one night toward the end of our trip when our group all um, was together for our nightly worship time, and we were sitting in, like, the youth room of the church we were sleeping at. And um, we got to this time of worship where we just kept going and going and going, and it was nonstop, and we, like, got to the end of it, and we all felt like God was super present with us, like, in that moment as a community together worshiping and giving thanks for the trip and everything that we had learned. Um, so yeah, in that moment, I felt that my relationship to God was a lot closer than may, it may have been a few days earlier when we had started the trip. So there's one experience, experience of that. So, you know, I see it in my work. Yes, in summer camp, you know, mission trips tend to be a time we can see young people can have really close encounters with God. Um, you know, diocesan events or retreats or happenings or things like that, those tend to be times um, when we see that. You know, even when you look outside of, you know, youth ministry, even for adults conferences like where we're at here at Forma, like a lot of times this is a mountaintop kind of to people again because you're breaking away from the everyday of your faith life and you're immersing yourself in the power of Christian community. Um, and I think that is transformative. Mm -hmm. And I think for the diocese who commit to that and are lucky mm -hmm. enough to have 
a summer camp mm-hmm. and places where they can go to have to seek out those experiences. And like Easton has a lot of knowledge on that. Like they gain a lot of benefit from that. Mm-hmm. So there's some language that I use for that, and I call it the virtuous cycle of youth ministry mm-hmm. on a diocesan level. And so it's the and it, it's mountaintop experiences without using that terminology in it. But it's churches that choose to be a part of diocesan youth events. Um, their youth get so pumped up and excited to be a part of it that they go back into their communities mm-hmm. and they talk about it and they ask their rectors and their youth ministers tough questions like, why aren't we doing more of this? Mm-hmm. Like in our communities, why can I not be more involved in like doing things on Sunday mornings? Mm-hmm. And so youth ministers and rectors, they have to think about that and ways they can engage their community differently. Mm-hmm. They invite more people into it. Um, the church like experiences growth from that, and that's it's a beautiful thing. And and mm-hmm. what happens um, in diocesan youth ministry is we don't exist without churches that participate, and therefore our programs are more successful <laughs> and more vibrant because youth have these experiences. Yeah, definitely. And I I think about um, the last the group that I took to the last Episcopal youth event a couple years ago, and we had several youth who came out of that trip and with just kind of a renewed understanding of what it means to be the Episcopal Church and what it means to be the body of Christ. And so to see them go back into their home congregations and to go back into this diocese, and they're the ones who are becoming the leaders and kind of the change agents within the church. And so I think it's really exciting for us to be able to look at some of these short-term experiences that we're offering our young people to see how they're able to take those and I mean, use it to revive the church because mm. I really think our young people are a huge part of that revival right now. And part of it is because they're getting to experience and have communion with God that they then want to go out and share. And it's huge when a parish or a diocese or a community is able to welcome that young person back in and to support them and to help them process that experience and use it um, to to lead and to change their community so then you know i what makes it so powerful because i think a lot of people Mm -hmm. i think there are a lot of people in the church who look at things like happening in summer camp and long-term mission trips and are like that's manipulation what is it that makes it so powerful so that it's not you know the netflix documentary jesus camp where yeah it's manipulation in the worst sense. Yeah, and that's a really good fear that you bring up, and I would say that's one of the cons of these types of mountaintop experiences is, is that if they're not if they're not facilitated well, it can turn into that kind yeah. of emotional manipulation, yeah. which isn't what's going to help grow the faith of a young person for the long yeah. term, right? So for me, when we're facilitating these moments of close communion with God, it's all about the framework behind it and how it's more than just going and having the experience in order to have the feeling, if that makes sense. And so, um, you know, in in the camp world, especially when it comes to, like, ropes course and challenge course work, we talk a lot about experiential learning with our staff and being able to facilitate this cycle that you're taking a group of people and you're having an experience with them and they're actually doing something – But then after you have that experience, you're taking time to reflect on it and pick out where was God present? What did I learn? What are the lessons that we can take home from this? But then after you experience it and you reflect on it, then you find out, okay, so how is this going to make my life 
a little bit different and what is something that I'll be able to do now leaving this experience that I've learned that I couldn't do before. And I think that's where the big difference is there mm-hmm. is when we frame it within this cycle because um, – so like this was actually something I was thinking about last night as I was uh, prepping for <clears throat> our recording this morning. I thought about a conversation that I had with our ropes course inspector last year, and we were talking a little bit about – not necessarily at the faith level, um, but we were talking a little bit about the difference – between the types of challenge course work that we do at camp on our climbing tower and zipline than is done at the commercial zipline place that's just a couple of miles from our camp, right? And one of the things that we were talking about is that the experience we provide at camp um, is not just rooted in going and getting the adrenaline rush, but it's rooted in the community building and the teamwork and the Christian community and the learning that comes from it. So for me when I'm doing my work and I'm working with the, you know, in our diocese, we have a lot of youth leading youth for our events. When I'm working with the young people who are putting together our events, that's, you know, something that I try to help us push forward is we're not just creating a retreat for an experience to people to just have a feeling where they feel close to God, but we also need to find ways to use it as a learning moment or yeah. an experience so that you have some sort of tangible takeaway that can go home and that you're a little bit different than you were before. It seems to me that there's there's a second part of the cycle that's really important, which is the you have your experience, and your experience can be you know whatever it is. Um, but then the second part of the experience is when you then take your experience and you hopefully mm-hmm. help to um, empower or supply an mm-hmm. experience for the next group of people. And so um, so that could be you're working, you're working the next weekend. Um, or I think that could also be coming home and saying, you know what, like, I pl- learned to play this one song on guitar, and this meant a lot to me, and I want to share it with my, mm-hmm. with my community back home. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that I think I – that – I think I get frustrated with is when we, when those kids come back and they're like super excited mm-hmm. and they're like, oh man, I had this experience. Let me share it with you. And when, um, when we have uh, faith communities who are not ready to then hear whatever, mm-hmm. hear about um, yeah. or, um, or allow that person to then share like, oh man, I had this experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like if Peter had come back from from the mountaintop with Jesus and was right. like, let me tell you all these things. And the other um, nine disciples were like, yeah, cool. I'll see you later. Right. We don't care what you have to say. Right. We're going to build uh, tents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going to go build our own tents. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. So there's this really awesome book that I read um, as I was doing my work around this that it's called Saying is Believing. It's by Amanda Drury. She works at Indiana Wesleyan University. And it talks about the power of testimony in adolescent spiritual development. But by the word testimony, what she means is being able to equip and empower young people to be able to share the experiences of where God is moving in their lives. And so I think that one thing that parishes or families or home communities, faith communities need to be able to do is is to be able to invite those young people to be able to share what ways 
what are the ways in which they've seen God moving in their life. And that can be just as much of a powerful method of forming the faith of a teenager because then all of a sudden they're vocalizing and they're sharing their faith with someone else. Um, I think that's hard to do, <laughs> right? I think um, at least, you know, what I've I've seen now, at least in my own diocese, I've seen young people start to find their voice and be able to share those things, which is fantastic. Like after the last EYE, we had several young people who at our diocesan convention went up and spoke about their experience and talked about um, what they had learned and what they did. And that was fantastic. And there were all sorts of delegates to our convention who came up afterwards and, and talked about how much they really appreciated hearing the voice of those young people and hearing how their perspective on how the church was moving. So that was really, really cool. So I think when you can you can embrace and you can allow the conversation to happen, it's a really great way. The other thing, too, is that going back to the technology piece in our day and age, it's also a lot easier to try to share those experiences with people back home through whether it's blogging or Instagram or Twitter or a Facebook group or, you know, like some events that live stream, like you can give a snapshot of what's going on, which I think sometimes helps for parents or guardians or families or friends to see what's going on. Um, It's also still not the same. So just because you share something during an experience of what's going on doesn't mean that they'll be able to have the conversation that way so again it's about framing it and facilitating um and also i think there's an opportunity to empower young people to be able to have a voice in the church i remember going to my first happening Mm -hmm. and just where i was i wasn't like i'm gonna cry at everything yeah i was like what is this yeah i went (laughs) i was like this is fine i like Mm -hmm. this this is cool um and I worked teams, and I got involved. And then in college, I went to Vokari. And that was like, if I think of a mountaintop experience, how mm-hmm. normal people do, that was it for me. But Camp Weed is not on a mountain. No, it's very <laughs> flat, and that's why I love it. <laughs> um, but, and this is the part I want to kind of focus in on as we close. Mountaintop experiences aren't always yeehaw. No, they're happy. not. And I think... You know, for someone like me who's on National Happening, we've been very intent on identifying programs and helping programs that are struggling with those experiences. Mm -hmm. The ones that it's gotten far away from what you've talked about, the framework of what the weekend's supposed to be about. And so I'm curious about how how do you identify those kind of things? What are are their identifying qualities? Um, And then I'm curious how Easton, as far as like, on the ground, how do you make sure those things don't wreck a program? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think, I mean, I think some of it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the fine line between being able to frame a perspective and experience and and make it a learning experience versus just having a mountaintop just for the feeling and experience of having a mountaintop. Because the other thing that happens is that, um, and, and a lot of times what I see happening is that um, young people will also get into a cycle of they only want to have the mountaintop experiences. And I think that can be a key indicator to see where a program could be healthy or unhealthy. I mean, if you have a lot of young people who keep coming back to something just because they're wanting to live mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop, and they're not really taking anything away that sustains their 
faith life in between those experiences, then I don't think you're creating a deep and lasting impact for the faith formation that we're hoping that will happen from the experiences that we're creating. So I think it's extremely important when you're designing a program or even facilitating experience. And I use the word facilitate because to me, like, I'm not the one who's helping the young person make the connection with God. Instead, what I'm doing is I'm creating a sacred space for that mountaintop to happen. So maybe that's the other thing that I would say about that, too, is that we're not trying to force the experience on other people, but instead we're making space and we're allowing them to have that intimate encounter with God that will transform their life and then help them figure out what is the one thing from this experience that I can take that will help sustain my faith life until I can have the next mountaintop. Because yes, God is present in the mountaintop. However, God is also present in the valleys. Sometimes some of those unhealthy practices also can become deeply enrooted and ingrained mm-hmm. in the culture of something, yes. mm-hmm. right? And so I'm, I'm curious as to know how much of the work that you did was just as much about culture shifting and understanding the the reasoning and the theological understanding, too, behind the retreats that you're doing. Well, I think the majority of it was like yeah. just shaking up the culture a little bit. Uh, yeah. Because once we've been saying, well, we've always done it this way, that's when we've got an issue. Exactly. That's it. I mean, yeah. you know, I never... I know Wallace agrees with that. I know Matt agrees with that. And I know I've jokingly said it at times before. And Wallace has called me out and said, that's exactly why we need to change it. Without calling out retreats, I've seen youth that felt like it was a necessity, that they have a major, something major happen in their life for them to be able to give a particular Mm -hmm. talk at, at, at one of our retreats. And so... If you that sh- you should never feel that way as a young person or as an adult that you have right. to have a particular experience to share your faith journey, <laughs> and I think another example would be, um, s- s- like some of the some of the times where people feel where youth and adults feel like, well, this is a time where this person's going to cry, right? Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the mountaintop experience piece of we don't know when they're happening. Part of this is faith without actions is dead. So we can talk right. about the mountaintop experience and we can talk about yep. how how it formed you. And sometimes they really have the words for that. But the other part about that is when the parents notice or when we notice as ministers, mm-hmm. like the change in an individual, you yeah. know, wow, like you've something, something's happened there, yeah. you know, and they're more plugged in mm-hmm. and um, they're nicer. I think that's a really important point to make, and I think that's why it's really important to have the support of home youth ministers and congregations, right? There's only so much that I can do and see at the diocesan level, and so I think it's just as important to not only include young people in those experiences, but also the adults that work with them. Not so that the adults have the experiences per se, although they might, but also so that they can help identify and recognize and encourage the young people who are involved and have these mountaintops to be able to move forward with them in their own faith. Before we wrap up, is there anything that like, oh my gosh, how are we missing missing that? Like anything that you learned or have done or advice? Or any of your favorite mountains. Oh gosh. <laughs> like literal mountains or like Oh yeah, definitely literal. Literal. Mountains. The other the one other thing that I'll say that's popped in my head since we started talking about some of this this notion of identifying 
you know, what do we see as like healthy versus unhealthy? At least that's the the term that came in my head. I think another key difference is that um, it's not just about creating deep, impactful spiritual experiences, but there's always still a focus on the center of our faith, which is Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that when we can also look at not just what we're teaching, but looking at it from like that theological perspective, I think that can also make a difference in how we're creating and facilitating these experiences. Because I think if we can really deeply root ourselves in the practices of our community, we can use that to help us. And it also helps us remain focused on what our ultimate goal is. Our goal is not to make youth cry, but instead it's to help, (laughs) right? Um, Instead, it's to help them have a lasting faith in Jesus that sustains them and continues to make them disciples for the rest of their lives. (laughs) That's it for this episode. If you enjoyed it, leave us a review. uh, Subscribe to us on your podcast app. Let us know what you think. Would you close us in a prayer? Sure. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you for this time together and for this conversation. As we continue to discern all of the ways in which we reach the youth of the church. Uh, Guide us and help us as we move forward, taking what we've learned to help others fix their eyes on you. Amen. Amen. Yeah.